Sonia. It takes me a little time to get up one step, so if you'll just bear with me. Before I even get into the notes, I, I, I want to tell you that in many ways the sermon is finished. Um, I'm going to be sharing with you the idea of ripples ripples of the call on a person's life and you just witnessed it if that worship didn't send ripples into you then let's pray about it a little later that's that's a whole issue of ripples God's calling on people's life when I was give me my choice of, of um, Acts 13, I read through a couple times and I came to the first three verses. And if you read them simply, and I'm reading out of uh, the Spirit-Filled Life Bible, uh, New King James Version. Um, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem. That's 25, I gotta lead into it. When they had not fulfilled their Jerusalem, when they had fulfilled their ministry and they took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. You know which one he was? You know what Herod the Tetrarch did? Crucified Jesus. So brought up with him and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Pretty simple. Until, as this church does, you begin to dig deeper. And one of the things that I've always found about digging deeper is there are always answers. But there are also always deeper questions. It just, <laughs> I was saying earlier, there's a lot of rabbit holes you can go down pursuing these verses. And uh, quite frankly, there were a couple uh, temptations. Um, but, but the focus that I really want to share that I think the Spirit of God put on my heart is the idea of the call. 
the idea of the call. And in Matthew 20, there's a little verse that, some, that has confounded me, quite frankly, uh, in some ways. And it's the um, uh, Matthew 20, 16, um, the B, the second half. And it says, for many are called, but few chosen. Many are called, but few chosen. And you could go a long ways in taking that in a variety of different ways. I wanted, I want to share with you that there is not a single person in this room watching this who will ever listen to it, who has ever heard anything that has not been called. The call is universal. The call is through the grace and mercy of our God through the death of Jesus Christ. That's the call. So, so I don't want to confuse either me or you by thinking the call only comes to Barnabas and Saul, although that's what this particular passage is. When I was looking at this, I start, I, I, in my mind, it's how do you approach these three simple verses and it came to me, there's three parts here. One part is preparation, preparation for the call. The other one is the anointing. And the third one is sending. And so I started looking at those. And, and one of the things that came to my mind, uh, back in January, my wife and I started to have our house painted. It took three and a half weeks because the weather wasn't actually conducive to painting houses. However, one of the things that we we experienced, and you experience this if you painted a room, a house, a car, uh, a toy, I don't know. Um, preparation is way over half the time spent accomplishing whatever the purpose is. Preparation is an enormous part of the journey that we take. And preparation in this particular case um, takes us to a place where God alone, without us going to a place where we call coincidences, God alone orchestrates leading people into this call for his purpose. We can say all kinds of things about, well, this happened or that happened or these are the reasons or these are the circumstances, but be not confused that it's God alone that is orchestrating your path to your call. You make decisions, I make decisions, but, but the path is God's. And as I looked at that thought, it was, so what has this to do with this group of people? How is God preparing, orchestrating, and there's some really unusual situations here which I thought were meaningful to bring into um, this context of the call and the chosen. Um, Acts 9, 19. I, uh, I put little sticky notes in, in this Bible so I could tell where to go. And, and 
this particular Bible has very thin pages. And so the sticky notes stick the pages together. It was a hard learned lesson, but I did learn it. Uh, uh, here I'm in Acts 9, 19 through 29, but I'm not going to read that whole thing. 9.19 So when he had received food, he being Saul Paul, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some time with the disciples at Damascus. And immediately he preached the Christ in synagogues that he is the Son of God. The preparation for this particular event in 13, in Paul's circumstance, really began back in verse, in chapter 9. So then I started looking, well, what about the rest of these people? I mean, I mean they're in Antioch. You know why they went to Antioch, because the church was being persecuted and everybody's running away. I think House taught about that a couple weeks ago. But they're in Antioch. These four people. Can anyone tell me who Lucius is? Other than the house. He's, he's not. Huh? Can anyone tell me who Simon is? Simon called Knight. Do we know when the ministry of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ began in Antioch? When? He's not in Antioch yet. He is in Damascus. There are a variety of different opinions but some say as little as three, and some say seven, eight, nine years of Saul's life were spent learning, teaching. I would say if you're teaching, you're making mistakes. There, there's ample evidence of that right here today. So, so the, the issue is the preparation takes a long time to get to the point where the spirit makes decisions. That doesn't mean the spirit isn't there. It just means that preparation, preparation is critical. So then I started, well, well then what's the timeline of Paul in, in, in Antioch? Because if, if you go back in the scriptures, um, there was ministry being done in Antioch that was so powerful the word got to Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas there to check it out. Barnabas is in Antioch before Saul is. Niger, Manaean, this guy that was raised with Herod, they're all there preaching. They're all there sharing the gospel. And Barnabas goes back and says, hey, that, he said, go get Bar go get this guy, Saul, and he goes to Tarsus, he grabs Saul, they go to Antioch. This is kind of like, this script wouldn't play well on Broadway. It's really kind of confusing. 
And you really have to stop and think because God's plan all along, I would suggest to you, is to prepare the chosen one for his purpose. All are called, few are chosen. And Barnabas and Saul were amongst those preaching and teaching in Antioch for a year before they set out. And I was really kind of amazed at the length of time that Saul actually spent on the road. It was kind of humorous, it was kind of fun, but it was also um, very deep in telling. They spent like 16 years, on, Saul spent 16 years on the road from what, 48 to 64, something like that. He had been prepared for nearly that amount of time as the whole point of his purpose. And the, the point was made on um, Monday morning at the men's meeting. This particular call, this point of time, this issue of chosen, laid the foundation for the future of the Church of Jesus Christ. The missionary journeys of Paul opened up the world to the gospel. And the preparation took as long, almost as long, as the whole of the actual ministry that Saul was doing. And I'm saying, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Um, we don't often think about how long you and I, each of us individually, have gone through our time of preparation. <laughs> Karen just said, oh. Karen spent a lot of time in, in the majority world countries in, in, uh, uh, in ministry and has experienced that. And anybody that, uh, that um, takes on the opportunity to share their heart for Christ with a group such as you uh, has been some of that. But, but we know that everyone is being prepared at some point for their call and purpose for which they are called. We're not all chosen to change the scope of the church, but we're all called to be part of the church. And without regard for what it is you're called to do or I'm called to do, or what our participation in this church is, there are ripples to our call that will last long past the time we are here to see the effect of those ripples. Because it is God alone who not only prepares us, anoints us, and calls us, but he who administers the ripples of our journey. And The second part was the anointing. So preparation, and then there's an anointing take place. And in, in the NIV, the, when I first read it, said worship and, and fasting. 
And in this particular version, it says, ministry to the Lord and fasting. And that's a huge difference for us, especially those of us in the Western culture. What we just did was some amazing worship through music, through, through a, a young man who has allowed the Spirit to dwell in him and indwell in his heart and his music. But we worshiped God through music. But if you take the idea of ministry to the Lord beyond, and that's a bad context, in addition to uh, the issue of worshiping through music, we worship the Lord through almost everything we do that touches another life in a positive way. We, this is an incredibly gifted young man, okay? And the musicians are, but none of us are without a gift that allows us to minister to someone. Daniel was talking about uh, the homeless man. I had a similar issue uh, that I'll share with you. I really haven't shared this one. I came out of CVS, and there's two women there. Uh, say, would you like to donate to this? Would you like to give to that? And I'm kind of one of those people who say, nah. You know, I, I don't know where you're at. But... but um, I don't give much thought to it. My initial response is, nah. Okay. You're probably much more mature than I am. But yeah. <laughs> but I got to my car. I got to my car, and here's what I heard. It's not yours. It's not yours. It's mine. You didn't even ask me. <sighs> Talk about getting kicked in the butt. Yeah, sorry. You didn't even ask me. Well, if you're like me, you say, oh, I did it again. I know God's going, oi, babe, this guy. So, so anyways, I, I reached in my pocket and all I had was a 20. That's all I had in my pocket. <laughs> my wife usually makes sure I don't have a 20 in my pocket. But, <laughs> but anyways, so I, so I reached in my pocket. I went up to the, the two uh, women and gave them, and they just looked at each other and said, it's a 20. I walked back to my car, and, and I, I didn't feel remorse. I didn't feel guilty. I just said, thank you, Lord because you reminded me it's all yours. It's yours. So thank you, Tamara, for sparing that little... Because that really is part of the anointing that we are given for our call is that we are to touch lives that need to be touched, and the Lord tells us, in a positive way. We've got a couple young men that put signs out. They're ministering to the Lord. People do the coffee service. They're ministering to the Lord. Worship is, is not more than music. It's included in the music that God puts in us just to do the simple things. And all of us are called. 
The other thing about it is fasting. I, you know, we're really kind of focused on fasting here in Lent. Uh, and usually the fasting goes down to what am I going to give up? Am I going to start doing this to be better? Am I going to give up food? Am I going to give up that? And, and fasting is based on the idea of putting myself less than first. And it's easy to do. Oh, well, yeah, I'm going to give up chocolate cake. No, we are not giving up chocolate cake. <laughs> but, but, but fasting, and, and here's, here's the verse I kind of hesitated to go to. I don't even know. <laughs> I hesitated so much that I didn't even put a marker in it. But I think it's important for us to hear the words in the Old Testament. Um, I'm almost to the point where I'm going to let you look it up. I, uh, um, Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58 is a nice little verb where God is talking to the Old Testament people. And Isaiah 58 in Bud's uh, memory says, you think what you're doing is fasting? You think, you know, giving up these things, you know, tearing your clothes, all that. You think that's fasting? Dancing and singing? You think that's fasting? Here's the fasting I want. This is the fasting that I want from you. Take care of the widows. Take care of the orphans. Serve those who are hurt. And visit those in prison. But wait a minute. That's a lot more than me not having jelly beans for four months, or whatever. <laughs> I just pulled that up. I don't like jelly beans. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> but the whole idea is fasting is much more than giving something up. It's putting ourselves beneath the efforts of God to bring us to the full purpose of our call. It's interesting here that fasting is used twice. He says worship ministry. He says prayer. There was a testimony a little while ago about the, the primary importance of prayer being a vehicle which the Holy Spirit uses to touch us in very special ways. Very special ways. And the Holy Spirit is never not there to speak to us if we really want to get in prayer. And, and I don't know how you were raised, but I was brought up in a church where uh, prayer was talking. And then I learned that God always already knew everything I had to say, everything I thought, and everything I thought I needed to say. He already knew it. So the difficult part of prayer for me is listening. I see one head nod, the rest of you probably. Listening, and, and, and this is just a sidelight. We are taught a lot of communication skills in, in, in school. We're taught to read, we're taught to write, we're taught to speak. We are not taught to listen. And in prayer, my opinion, I do have people that agree with me. Listening is the primary component of communicating with the Holy Spirit of God. 
if we do not consciously seek to listen, we're probably going to miss a word or two. I have a journey that I'd glad to share with you that would confirm that opinion. So fasting and prayer in, in, in Philippians, Philippians 4.8 really helps us kind of deal with this, with I, this idea of prayer. Bring all things in prayer and supplication. All things in prayer and supplication. So what does all this mean for Bud and for anyone else that happens to be listening and hasn't fallen asleep yet? I was blessed to be able to go through a Bethel, a Bethel teacher training course. It took two years. I don't know how many of you are familiar. Bethel is still alive. Um, it's a two-year course, one year on the New Testament and one year on the Old Testament. And then they go through in, in the context of, of Scripture, the context of certain ideas and elements uh, of the Christian journey. And one of them is faith. And the Bethel training on faith is this. It's a triangle. If I had one of these fancy little machines, I probably would have written on it and you could see it. It's a triangle. The first leg of the triangle is knowledge. And we all come to here to learn, to uh, assimilate this knowledge that's shared by our incredible pastors through, through music. Knowledge is the first leg of the triangle. And the second leg is really difficult sometimes. And the second leg is ascent to the truth of the knowledge. Ascending, ascent to the truth of the knowledge. We learn about God. We know all about God. We memorize about God. But do we assent to the truth of what we have learned? I shared a few months ago or whenever what I, memory takes me clear back to Thursday, but um, I shared um, a part of my, my journey about um, coming to the point where I had to answer a question. And this is the final question you ask in the ascent part of the uh, triangle. Is Jesus Christ who he said he was or not? I've heard it all. I've learned it all. I say, yes, I believe. And now, do I believe that Jesus Christ is who he said he is, the living son of the Creator God, sent to give us the opportunity to serve in His kingdom and live life according to His call. 
And the third leg, the most difficult, I would tell you, after you get past the second one, the third one is trust. And in this teaching, trust implies action. And, and, and action is a necessary outcome of it, accepting Jesus Christ in the context that he was given to us through God Almighty as Lord. Action is required of faith. My friends, we're not called to be passive Christians. We're called to be active Christians. And each one of us called in a different way, in a different purpose, to a different path. But we're all called. Henry Blackaby, you may be familiar with him or not, but he had some, he wrote Experiencing God. And I've used this quote before and I, was, and I use it again, but I think, I think it's a great reminder that if you're looking to experience God, don't think up some grand idea and then ask God to come and join you. But know if you're really looking to experience God, you find something God's doing and join him. And, and that's the active participation of trust. I don't know what you're doing, God. You ever said that? Oh, yeah. I don't know where we're going, but I trust that you're taking me to a place that I know not where, but it's you. There's also a, another gentleman who kind of had a word for Christians name was Mahatma Gandhi. I've used this before too because I think it's a reminder to us of the difference between knowledge, assent to knowledge, an agreement with the truth. And he said, if Christians ever lived like they say they believed, they would change the world. That, that's quite a statement based on the action verb of trust and faith. And I'm going to kind of end this um, conversation with a reminder, and this is one of my favorite non-visual visuals. Okay, I don't know what that means, but I don't know how to explain it. If you've ever been playing around the pool and somebody says, oh, I'm going to do a cannonball. And so everybody tries to do the biggest cannonball. But if you take a calm pool and you do this cannonball in the middle of this pool, the ripples just go out and they bounce off the edge and they come back and they bounce off and they just keep going. And the idea is the call on your life creates these ripples. And my prayer for you and for me is that may our courage to listen, to hear the Spirit, and answer His call continue long after we are past to create ripples. You're made for ripples. You're called for ripples. 
wherever they are, however they are. May God bless you. Thank you, House, for allowing me the opportunity to share this hour. I, I have to tell you, we have this great congregation here, the Surf City Church, and I was blessed to, to share a message with them a couple weeks ago, and, and, and we're strangers. And I was going to ask John, who I know from the Monday morning, John, can somebody have a red card or something? Because I have a tendency to get wordy. I can do that, you know. <laughs> so I, it, and, and it kind of passed, but in his infinite wisdom, just before service began, John held up this little pad and said, here, bud, I tell you when it's 15 minutes, and I tell you when it's one minute, and I tell you when it's 20 minutes and time to quit. I said, praise God, you can do that. Anyways, thank you very much for this morning. It's my pleasure to be here, and I'm blessed by God to share this message with you. going to have a subset A, B, C, and D. <laughs> yeah, I can't help it. <laughs> so, Lord, um, well, but I, I just wanted to thank you for delivering such a beautiful message today. Um, I was trying to come up with uh, something really clever to tie in our closing song with Bud's message, but but already did all of it, so. <laughs> and God filled in all the blanks. So let's join in the song together. We'll use this song to set each other off for the rest of the day and, and into the rest of the week.
you ever run in a relay race where you have a baton? I used to run track in high school and college, and uh, the fastest guy on our team, Harry, we'd always give him the anchor leg. And one thing you need to know about Bud is in our men's group, we have a great discussion online. It's a fantastic group with John here there and some other people there. And uh, Bud always takes the anchor leg because he always has this reflective way of looking at things. And it sends ripples through everyone in the group. And those ripples go on. I've, especially to those of you watching online or those of you here in person who feel like you've missed your chance to make ripples, you're older, somehow you didn't make the impact you did. Two of the men who made the biggest influence in my life or the biggest ripple effect in my life, uh, there's a lot of great people in my life who've done that, but I, I think my grandfather, he was. 96, and uh, people ask him how old he was. He says, well, put it this way, I don't buy green bananas. You know, he just, uh, <laughs> but he would pour into me, and you guys have felt ripples from him. You all have. So if you're older, and you think you've missed it, most of you are, but some, some of you here listening are, don't ever discount the ripples you can send through other people. Don't ever discount what you can do with younger people and make a big difference. And those ripples will go out through them. And if anyone here thinks those ripples won't go on after you're gone, things you do for the Lord have eternal ripples and they continue to make a difference all around us. You've all made a much bigger difference than any you can see. I just invite you to, to pray. We'll go back and sing that chorus to close. Lord, the enemy tells us that our ripples don't matter. Or that we're too old and we've missed our chance. Or that we're too young and nobody will notice what we do. I'd like each person to Give thanks for those people in their lives who continue to send ripples out through your life. Think of the people who've influenced you, who've given you faith and hope and courage, who encouraged you, helped make you who you are. Those people are sending out ripples through you long after they're gone. Lord, I want you to put on each one of our hearts, especially those of us who are older, someone we can invest in, someone we can encourage, someone who we can tell you have what it takes. We each remember those three or four times in life where people really encouraged us. They will remember when we, when we encourage them and it will change them. It will change the course of their lives. Thanks for the, the ripples that Alan is creating in the room today. The ripples bud stirred up. Give us knowledge in the triangle. Those ripples will go on forever. Give us assent to those, agreement with them. 
Help us to act on that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Let's sing. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. So Lord, I just want to pray your blessing on everyone here. Spirit is the ripple maker in our lives and we pray that those ripples would flow out. Give us a chance to affect someone today or tomorrow. Make us better listeners to your voice. And guide us on that path to which you've called every single one of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. God's people said, Amen. 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 We're a very non-legalistic group. We only have one rule. You have to finish the donuts. So uh, <laughs> greet some people you don't know that well. Say hi. Hang around a little bit. Have a great week. Yeah. 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 Yeah.